0: Good morning, church. It's an honor uh, to be with you this morning. Um, Once again, so many beautiful smiling and welcoming faces. It really feels like family uh, when you're here. It's my first time um, in your church ever, um, but I do feel like I've been here for a long time. Um, And so I'm so grateful to have you. Um, I'm thankful for Pastor Dave and and Aaron and and all the pastors and the workers in the church. Um, I really look up to Dave Um, He is a mentor to many, if you don't know, um, and I consider him a mentor of my life, and it is a really distinct honor to love and serve you this morning. Um, In the first service, I was abandoned by my family as they went to Cracker Barrel to to eat, Um, but they're here with us this morning. My two little ones are in children's church, but my my beautiful wife, Damaris, is here with us, and my oldest son, Junior, um, is, is here with us, and so we're just so honored to be part of this family and have church all together. Can you say amen? Amen, amen and amen. Um, you know, we are going to be teaching through Ruth chapter 3 um, this, this morning, and I want you to open up your word to it. And uh, just before we get into there, I remember um, as a kid uh, discussing a very, very serious topic um, in the classroom um, in fifth or sixth grade, super serious. Um, and the discussion was, if you were trapped on a desert island, what would you bring? (laughs) You remember having those conversations? And and so I think that as in fifth or sixth grade, I think my answer was something like uh, Sega Genesis, McDonald's, and soda. I think those were the top three priorities for me. Uh, But we would go around the room and Kids would say some crazy things, and we would make fun of everyone's answers. And uh, the more the conversation went on, um, as I look back at it now, um, what we were really asking in that question is, what is our greatest need? What is our greatest need? And at 13 years old or at 10 years old or whatever age it was, um, soda, McDonald's, and Sega Genesis probably was a real high priority for me. But at 39, probably not so much. And I think back, like, how would I answer that question today? What is my greatest need? What is your greatest need? What is our greatest need? In the verses that we are going to read this morning, I I want you to look at them through a lens of need. This is a story of need. uh, And I want you to... As we examine these verses, understand that there is a perspective of need in a very difficult situation. Open up your Bibles with me to Ruth chapter 3. I'll read verses 1 through 5 and 8 through 11, and then we're going to pray. Ruth Ruth, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, starting in verse 1, the word says, One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you. Where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose woman you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Ruth responds in verse 5, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Verse 8, in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Father, this is your word. And we present your word, Father God, that you would just anoint us today to deliver your word, oh Lord. And that you would write the word on the walls of our heart and that we would live it out together in community and for our community, Lord. Today, Lord, and forever, it's always all about you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says... Amen. Um, you know, we, if you've been tracking with us for the past few weeks, Pastor Dave has been laying the last the foundation for for the first couple of chapters of Ruth. And but I want to bring to you the immediate context and kind of remind you where we are. We have these two women, Naomi and Ruth. Who uh, 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 Naomi uh, before she meets Ruth leaves her homeland, and she wasn't really supposed to leave, but she she leaves anyway because of a famine. and And things start off good, but they end up really, really bad. Her her husband dies. Her her son. Sons die and, and now she's by herself with her two daughter-in-laws, and, and one of her daughter-in-laws decides, I'm out, like, I'm good. Uh, and, but Ruth sticks with her, and, and they come back to Bethlehem, and they and they come back to pretty much nothing. They don't have anything that they can call their own. They are in a situ- they are in a serious situation with a serious need. And they seem to have um, some hope. In in Ruth chapter 2, we're introduced to this this man, this kind man named Boaz, and a potential uh, guardian redeemer, kinsman redeemer, that could potentially provide for them. And that brings us to the verses that we just read. And um, I would be remiss to read these verses and not acknowledge the awkwardness of these verses, right? Like you read that, I remember reading as a little kid like, what's going on here? You know, this doesn't seem like uh, like good advice. I, I don't understand, right? And, and we, can, we can live in the awkwardness for a second, right? And it seems weird. It seems like we don't understand. But, but I want you to know that these verses are given to us from a historical narrative. So in essence, we're not supposed to emulate these verses. So what I want you to know is that God is not giving you dating advice. And if you're single, um, God is not telling you how to win a guy in 10 days. It's just, this is not the application from these these verses, all right? So, uh, uh, you know, I want want you to know that. Because the reality of the story is this. There are two people who are in desperate need of rescue in every way imaginable. Two people in desperate need of rescue in every way imaginable. Imaginable. When my wife was pregnant, I think it was with our second or our third, um, she is uh, really, really didn't have a lot of cravings. Right uh, at moments, she craved chocolate, but uh, even not being pregnant, she craves chocolate. You know, she <laughs> chocolate is her love language. Right, uh, if I come home with a chocolate bar, I'm winning. I promise you that. <laughs> Um, And so, we, you know, but there was this one time where uh, she was craving this famous Latino dish. Um, It's called chicharrón. And what chicharrón is, fried pork. Uh, Trust me, it's terrible for you, but it's well worth it. (laughs) It's well worth it. And so she she asked for chicharrón. And, and, you know, there's a baby growing inside of her, not me. And so my responsibility was, see a need. Me to need. That's all. That was what I had to do, right? Um, She was in need of something, and I had to respond. Ruth and Naomi are in need. While God is not mentioned much in this book of Ruth, I I want you to know that God is leading in, in every season of their life, and it's teaching Ruth, it's teaching Naomi, and today it's teaching us this truth that God sees and knows our needs. I want to encourage you this morning. God sees you and he knows your needs. Look at Ruth chapter 3 verse 1. Naomi uh, says to to Ruth, my daughter, I, I must find a home for you. Will you, where you will be well provided for. The life of a of widow in, in ancient times is strenuous, to say the least. They, they were not owners of any land. They, they did not receive any claim on their family heritage. and They were basically left alone by society. Naomi wants to provide for Ruth. The word provided... Is sometimes translated into security, but better translated into this Hebrew word called rest in English. The heart of Naomi is displayed here. She, her heart was always been for her daughters in law, but namely for Ruth, who, who stood with her. And, and Naomi understood that she couldn't provide for Ruth, they would have to find provision somewhere else. She wanted to give Ruth security. She wanted to give her provision, and she wanted to give her rest. Truth is, though this this book is written thousands of years ago, aren't we all today looking for security, provision, and rest? And sometimes we look at these things in the American dream. We say maybe the American dream will give us security, security. Provision and rest. Sometimes we find that or we try to find it in our 401k statements. Sometimes we try to find it in government legislation. Sometimes we try to look for security, provision, and rest in our accomplishments, in the resume that we're building. But the question we must ask ourselves how many times? have those things left us empty, insecure, broken, and distressed? There seems, to be a some, there seems to be a need for something greater. Ruth and Naomi's need is great. As we read in chapter 2 and 3, we see that there is a glimmer of hope in a hopeless situation. There's a during this season it's a harvest season and and remember Naomi is coming back for for food and and Ruth is getting to know this man named Boaz and and there is a, a, a kindness that's extended uh, to Ruth during this time and and they're noticing each other and and Naomi takes takes notice of and, and gives her what seems to be strange advice right, because he seems that Boaz is being really kind to Naomi and and really kind to Ruth and 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 she says, you know what? Uh, Boaz is our redeemer, is our kingsman redeemer. He's part of our family. He can help us. This is what I want you to do. And he gives, and she gives what we can see as strange instructions. Meet this guy at this place. Uncover his feet. Wait till he's sleeping. And lie down next to him and wait. Wouldn't that seem awkward to you? I mean, if my kids wake me up in the middle of the night, it's pretty awkward. (laughs) But what can seem like bad advice, I want you to know is rooted in ancient Israel, ancient custom in Israel. And I want you to know this. This custom of approaching someone as a redeemer is this custom found a way, it was a, a, a way for the family member who was in trouble, in danger, or in need into, in, to come and help them. It was a privilege to help our family member. And and we see this law written in Leviticus 25 and 27. And it's a privilege for a a member of the the family, a responsibility for them to come and and provide hope to the family in need. And and this Kingsman Redeemer in in Hebrew is called a Goel. And a a Goel is known as someone who can redeem or vindicate a relative. Naomi notices that Booth, that Boaz notices Ruth, who notices that kindness is being extended to her. And for the first time, there's potential hope in a hopeless situation in their goal. Naomi tells Ruth to go to Boaz, and in short order says, tell Boaz this, I notice you noticing me. And I want to put you on notice that I've noticed you noticing me. And if you noticed me, maybe you can be our Goel. Maybe you can be our Redeemer. The reality of this awakening moment of of needing a Redeemer only happens in times of brokenness. You see, it's not until we hit certain points in our life where we realize that we need help. Ruth and Naomi have come to a place where they need more than what's being offered to them. They needed something deeper. They needed something truer. They needed something that can help them. And while this custom of approaching someone in this matter um, seems strange to us, I want you to know that this Goel, this Kingsman Redeemer, is rooted in the heart of God how do I know this because the Bible tells me that God tells me that he will never leave us nor forsake us he will never abandon us and not only does he say that to us but he instructs his people what to do the same for others and so throughout the Old Testament God reminds and rebukes his people for two reasons you've forgotten me and you've forgotten others So the heart of helping out a relative, the the heart of helping out those in need is rooted in the heart of God. Why? Because the heart of God is redemption, not rejection. It's redemption, not rejection. You know, we live in a culture that is quick to cancel people. But we need a church that is quick to redeem people. We live in a culture that says you can't sit here, but we need to be a church that says you are welcome here. Ruth listens to the instruction of her mother and he, mother-in-law and does all that she says. And she sends her into the threshing floor. And now the connotation of the threshing floor in the biblical narrative is not a great place. It's, it's a place where some bad thing happens, some bad things happen on payday for men. Men have some money burning in their pocket and they, they spend it in in what we would say not good ways. But the beauty of redemption is not just found in the heart of the story, but God takes this place of threshing. is where they would take the harvest and, and they would throw the harvest in the air, throw the wheat in the air, and the chaff would fly away, the useless stuff, and the grain would fall to the ground. The threshing floor is a place of separation. But the way that God uses this threshing floor is not just a place of separation. It's also a place of revelation for his purpose. He brings two people together so that his purpose can be fulfilled. She, Ruth, follows the instructions of Naomi. And the truth is, Boaz's feet get cold. I don't know about you, I like to wrap myself real tight in my blanket. His feet get cold. He, He wakes up in the middle of the night and is startled because what? There's a woman laying at his feet. And he asks, who are you? She responds, I am your servant. I want you to know, Naomi is not sending Ruth into a, her precious daughter-in-law, Ruth, into a compromising situation. But she's sending Ruth into a place of hope where they can find redemption. I want you to know that this this instruction from Naomi is not provocative, but it's understood as an act of total submission. Boaz shows himself to be a trustworthy man of kindness. And in other words, this gesture wasn't that Ruth was demanding from Boaz, but yet another act of humility and kindness and submission and obedience on Ruth's part. She put her whole life in the hands of Boaz and said, I trust you to do The right thing. You know, we know what it is to feel vulnerable. And maybe you've been vulnerable with people and they have betrayed your trust. And so therefore you have a hard time trusting folks. Maybe you've gone in situations where where you shared or you were in a place of need and that person took advantage of that place. Maybe you were in a situation where you, you, you weren't sure and, and you encountered, a, 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 you had a negative experience. I want you to know that when we're vulnerable before the Lord, when we are in total submission to the Lord, and when we are giving God our life and saying, I trust you to know what you're doing with this, I want you to know God will never fail you. God will never fail you. In the most difficult moments of your life, God will never fail you. The words she uses here are powerful. She says, take the corner of your garment and cover me. And basically what she is saying is a a marriage proposal. Will you marry me? And this, and this act or this gesture of, of, of a cover, of a garment covering her, is saying that I want you, we, we want to go into relationship with each other. And it was symbolizing that Boaz will take Ruth as his wife. But I want you to take notice of how Boaz responds to Ruth. Look at what he says in verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. And what jumped out to me the most was this three words, don't be afraid. Ruth is laying it all on the line. She's all in on this marriage proposal. She, it could have gone wrong if Boaz wasn't a man of, of character. This, this could have gone sideways if, if it was any other person. She is vulnerable. She's scared. She is potentially unsure. And the response she hears is this don't be afraid. Remember the seriousness of her position, if this goes badly, they, they stay in their hunger, they, they stay in their homelessness, they are ostracized, they are, are by themselves, they, they have no house, the, the name of Naomi's husband will be forgotten forever, and then she hears these words, don't be afraid. My dear friends, these past two years in our lives, many things have produced fear in us. Cultural shifts may have a birth fear in us, but I want to encourage you today as vulnerable or as fearful as may you may be, don't be afraid because the life that we're giving, we're giving it to the Lord and he will be with us. And if we're giving our life to God, we have nothing to fear. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, God uses the same kind of of covering, this corner of his garment, as God is speaking to Israel. And he says, I will spread my wing over you and and cover your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord your God. I want you to know, church, don't be afraid. God has made a promise. And he is faithful to his promise. Don't be afraid. God is our covering, our protection, our strong tower, and our refuge. I want you to know this. Pastor Rich Reload is talking about fear. Says this: When God says "Do not fear," God is not telling us not to feel it. To feel fear is not a sign of spiritual weakness. Rather, God is saying. Turn your gaze upward. You are not alone. Can someone say amen? Boaz, in essence, tells Ruth, yes, I will marry you. Can you imagine the relief? In Ruth's heart, can you imagine the the peace that she receives from this? And next week you're going to hear the epic conclusion to this powerful story. Uh, But today I want to leave you with with three truths that I feel like will, 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 will lead you and show you Jesus more in this coming week. Truth is, God's perfect plan is interwoven in and through the lives of Naomi. In the midst of their hopelessness, the sovereignty of God is demonstrating his heart for redemption. And there are so many truths that we can take from this story. So many things that we can understand about kindness and and caring for others and character and obedience. But I want you to know that this story of Ruth, more importantly, is about hope and redemption. It's about hope. And redemption. And here are a few observations I want to leave you with today. In your moments of hopelessness, kindness matters. In your moments of hopelessness, kindness matters. I don't know about you, but when things are going wrong in my life, kindness is not the first thing that comes to my mind. But how we treat others when things are going wrong reflects how God is working in our lives. Kindness matters. It's easy to be kind here. Such a welcoming place. But at your job, at your home, kindness matters. When the kids are frustrating you and they won't go to bed, kindness matters. When that boss tells you to come work on a Saturday, kindness matters. God is calling his people to reflect who he is in every season of life. The second thing I want to tell you is this. In our season of need, this is a story of need, obedience matters. Obedience matters. Ruth trusted Naomi's advice and hope were secured for them in Boaz. In your seasons of struggle, obedience and faithfulness must be our response. Obedience matters. When you have to wait on the Lord, stay obedient to the Lord. The third thing I want to tell you is this. In our seasons of need, that's where God is forming our character. I wish I could tell you that character is formed on the the mountaintops of victory. But I want you to know, character is formed In the hot, dry valley of the desert. And if God wants to conform you into the image of his son, not only is he with you on the mountaintop of victory, but I want you to know he's forming you in the valley. And how is he forming you? He's forming you and conforming you to the image of his son. It's not to be like anyone else, but he's forming you to be more like Jesus. And we see this in Ruth and Naomi's story, that God is interweaving his sovereignty and forming their character in what seems to be a hopeless situation. And God is developing a character of dependence in Ruth and Naomi. And in your most difficult moments, I want you to know that God is doing a deep work in you. And he's not wasting your pain. He's not wasting your situation. He's forming your character. But here's the beauty of the gospel. When we started our time today, we asked the question, what is our greatest need? What is our greatest need? You know, Ruth and Naomi, they had many needs. They were hungry, and they had an opportunity to glean from the, from the harvest. They had an opportunity to pick up some of the leftovers that, for them. And, and the truth is, is that those were, that was good. The, the opportunity to clean was good. The, the problem is that, um, that food was good. But if you know anything about food, it runs out really quickly. And you always need more of it. You see, their greatest need wasn't their hunger. The grain was good, but they needed something more. Naomi's and Ruth's greatest need, it wasn't hunger, it wasn't their homelessness, it wasn't their status in society. Their greatest need was redemption. Their greatest need was redemption. And they could have potentially lived off the leftover grain. They could have potentially lived off maybe some generosity of folks. But that grain would never meet their greatest need they needed redemption why because it would give them a new identity it would transform them into new people you see here is the gospel and if you forget everything else remember this here is the gospel in Ruth that Naomi and Ruth everything they were searching for in Boaz you and I freely receive in Jesus Christ they were searching for what security provision and rest i want you to know that your security your provision and your rest is found in christ alone by faith alone and i feel like a lot of times we get our needs confused we're we're happy with god being our provider if the bank account is good then we're good If our kids are set and they're going to the right colleges and the right places, then we're fine. But God wants to be more than our provider. He wants to be our redeemer. Because our greatest need is more than provision, it's forgiveness. Our greatest need is more than covering, it's a place of refuge. Our greatest need is more than security, it's salvation. And there's only one place where we can find our greatest need and it's in Jesus. Today I want you to know, that Jesus wants to meet your greatest need. Provision is good, but transformation is better. And it's only found in the redeeming work of Christ on the cross. Family, God wants to take us deeper. He wants us to rely on Him as our only source. Grain is good, but transformation is better. The real story of redemption is not that just that God wants to give us good things, He wants to transform us into new people. And that's the power of the gospel. You see, Boaz had a responsibility to perpetuate the name of his family. Today, Jesus wants to perpetuate the name of his, uh, his name on the walls of your heart. So that you and I and the world will see who is our true source. Who is the person that can meet our greatest need? You see, Jesus is the greater Naomi. Naomi wanted to find a place of provision for Ruth. Jesus is our place of provision. Jesus is the greater Boaz. Boaz provided covering, security, and hope for a future For Ruth, Jesus provides covering, security, and hope for the whole world. Jesus is the greater Ruth. As Ruth obeyed Naomi to extend her husband's name, Jesus obeys his father. And now today, we are saved by no other name. See, this story is a story of hope and hopelessness. And hope is found in the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. So truth is this, there's no true hopeless situation because we have a father in heaven who wants to redeem us in our moments of despair. And maybe this morning you're going through a moment of tribulation, a moment of hopelessness. I want you to know that God wants to meet you right there where you are. Why? Because he sees your need and he knows your need. Today, your greatest need is not what God can give you. It's what he's already given you on the cross of Calvary. And today, redemption is here for you. Today, we can surrender all of who we are to the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he knows what to do with us. You know, in every other... Chapter of Ruth, she is referred to as Ruth the Moabite, except in chapter 3. Chapter 3 is just Ruth. And that tells me something beautiful that God doesn't call us based on our labels, on our cultural heritage. He calls us just as we are, to come just as we are, but not stay as we are. As he gives us redemption, he's transforming and conforming us to the image of his son. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes with me? Today I want you to know that redemption is here. And God wants to meet your specific need. But you need to know your greatest need is for God to redeem you. And maybe you're in a situation of hopelessness. Maybe a situation of health that isn't good. Maybe you're in a relational situation where God needs to step in and redeem this thing. I want you to know that our God is greater. And when we build our life on the truth of his word, the message of the gospel, I want you to know there is always redemption. There is always provision. There is always security and rest in Christ. So let our dependency be not in good advice from our friends, but in the truth that we are made whole in Jesus. So if that's you here today, and you say, Pastor, I need I need prayer for the situation that I'm in. I need God to step in and redeem. It feels hopeless. And he got to step in. But I want you to raise your hand right there you are. We want to pray for you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God sees your need. And he's the redeemer. Would you stand with me today as we pray for these needs. And as we get ready to worship. And as we get ready to build our life on Jesus this week. Father. With our hands lifted up to you, O oh Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for meeting our need, O oh Lord. Thank you, O oh Lord, for meeting our greatest need, which is the forgiveness of our sins, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father God, because you are a redeemer. And now you have brought us close to you when we were once far from you and today father god your children father god are in need there's a situation in their life that you need to step in and provide redemption lord be who you are redeem them restore them transform them conform them into the image of your son oh god that today oh lord we will be less like us and more like you today oh lord we submit every issue every concern every situation of hopelessness and despair and father god just like ruth we come to the foot of the cross vulnerable and we say father do your will with our lives have your way in our lives because today oh lord we trust in your redemption work oh lord so as we lift up our eyes oh lord we will not build our life on the American dream. Not, we will not build our life on cultural aspirations. We will build our life on the rock of salvation who is Christ Jesus because you are only worthy of all things. And we give you our heart. We give you our future. We give you our children. We give you all of these things that we say, Father God, come in and redeem. Come in and transform. Come in and renew. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.